Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We're back after a brief sojourn into breakfast yesterday and an even longer diversion into more Brexit-related nonsense over the weekend. Luckily for you, we won't be going anywhere near that today. Instead, we're going to find out why the police don't want you to bring any valuables to them if you find them in the street. So if you're walking around the streets today and you spot someone's wallet on the ground or see a discarded passport on a park bench, just don't take it to your nearest police station. They don't want it. It's basically yours. It's literally finders keepers. It's officially the end of being kind to your neighbour and I say it's officially the end of actual decent, honest and pleasant society. 0344 499 Daisy McAndrew is back and we'll be finding out what she can do with a bumper apple crop this year. I'm recommending a cider press. Meanwhile, we'll have a look at why fast food outlets are growing faster than ever on our high streets. And if you're planning a trip, we'll tell you the coolest places to go in the world. And of course, we'll also keep an eye on what is going on uh, over in Turkey uh, where President Erdogan uh, may well be making a statement of some kind in which he may implicate uh, the Crown Prince's Saudi Arabia and the murder uh, of the journalist Mr Khashoggi. We'll let you know. 0344 499 You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Daisy McAndrew on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So here's the situation. We've got a big court case coming uh, in the papers this morning, uh, Daisy, in which uh, it's a horrendous murder case, basically, of a guy uh, who had been apparently addicted to Mm. some quite violent pornography uh, and had, in eventuality, uh, murdered his stepsister. um, And uh, uh, the the view was taken in the court case itself that because he was watching some of this violent porn, he'd got the ideas from it. uh, He'd been sort of, you know... uh, inspired by it, if you like. I would always argue that somebody who's willing to kill in the way that he killed and and yeah. do the kinds of things that he did is obviously a very disturbed individual in the first place. Now, the porn may not have helped, but you can't really blame the porn for what happened. No, and I think it actually cases like this, you know, are extreme cases and, you know, goes without saying, and I'd hope it goes without saying, that the vast majority um, of people who, even those who are completely addicted to pornography, are not going to turn into rapists or murderers. No. However, I think there is um, some research to be done, some proper research to be done on the impact of pornography, because 
things have changed with the advent of technology. The fact that the majority of, of porn is now watched on a mobile phone. So the accessibility um, to you know the old days when you and I were young, people would have to go and buy magazines from right. the top shelf. They'd have to prove their age and so yeah. on. And the stuff that you could buy legally in a that shop. That all seems to have was... disappeared. I mean, you don't go into news agents anymore no. and see those kind of magazines. Do because you? Uh, anybody no... that wants that kind of stuff yeah. can get it free and immediately right. on their, well, I mean, on a computer. Yeah. And so it started off on a, you know, a pay a, a pay channel on the telly yes. and obviously then it was computers the internet and now it's nearly more often than not it's on a, a smartphone yeah so things have changed which i think does mean that it's completely fair enough to ask the questions if things have changed and consumption has changed and if more and more people are addicted what impact is that having particularly on youngsters yeah. you know young women we're told you know the majority of young women are being sent you know have been sent at some point yeah obscene images and so on so so there's clearly some research and it's happening to with, kids, with kids at school i mean i know that it's very very difficult to um to police this i suppose yeah um, and if you are going to ban children from having any access to the internet yeah. you know you're on a high need to nothing because that's not going to be the case no and you obviously, can put filters in place as a parent i mean we've got a filter in place yeah. in the house but it doesn't mean it works when you're outside of the house or you're it, in somebody else's house or on a, or on a mobile phone right. you know, if your kids have got mobile phones you know and i know that the government has tried to do things and i i understand there's sort of age ver- verification online which is coming in i'm not sure if it's if it's coming already but of course there are also there are lots and lots of different types of pornography yeah you know there's for a start there's illegal pornography which is right. showing stuff that the government would deem you know illegal and immoral and there's legal pornography which is totally different mm. but no understanding and knowing what kids or anybody you know men women or youngsters are getting access to and what impact it might be having on their mental health right. is is i think it's a big question and it deserves some answers well this mp's group um uh, which is the women's uh, women and equalities committee have basically said uh, that porn should receive as much public funding as other major health issues they're particularly upset with social media companies like twitter and facebook and they're also saying that online spaces are public places where sexual harassment of women and girls is rife again i'm not sure they've made that connection with pornography let's talk to jerry barnett a former pornography business owner and now anti-sex censorship uh, person as well jerry a very good morning to you welcome good morning i'd like to quickly just mention i have written i wrote a book a, a couple of years ago which um called porn panic which okay. looks at repeated uh, moral panics over pornography and the kind of scare stories that you're talking about this yeah. morning and in particular if you can go back um three four decades and find that these very rare, very tragic and very scary murders that happen every single time that these happen um, in society, some morality group or some interest group will pick up on them and blame whatever the scare story is of the day. So it's, it's often pornography or it's computer games or it's hip hop music in the 90s, you might remember, or it's um, horror, horror videos in the 1980s, you might remember. But, you know, there is no causative link between watching porn and committing an act like this. But I'm sure there isn't, but, but as, as, there is. as Daisy said, Jerry, there are, um, you know, degrees of pornography in, in the same way, I suppose, as there are degrees of drug use and, and as there is, are degrees of alcohol use. You know, there are certain... Sure. Uh, right. and, I, and I know that, I mean, I don't know where the line is drawn and I'm not suggesting where it should be drawn, but you mm. will know better than me um, that this guy, Nathan Matthews, who, who we are told was obsessed with violence pornography um, may have been yeah. spurred on to do what he did I would say he's a very disturbed individual no matter what but certainly sure. certainly it would be a good idea would it not to limit the availability of, of that kind of violent pornography um, not until there's a, a causative link and actually there isn't a causative link and, and actually um, Daisy said there, there needs to be research there's been a vast amount of research um, and there's ongoing research there is no 
kind of smoking gun linking porn to harm. And actually, even the UK government's own research suggests the opposite, that actually where there is porn available, that you tend to see declining rates of sexual violence. So kind of banning something on a knee jerk when it may actually be beneficial um, is, isn't, is pretty pointless and dangerous. And you need to provide evidence of harm before you ban things. Joey, can you explain to us what the status quo at the moment is? Because it's quite confusing. Because mm. obviously, as I was saying to Mike, there is legal and illegal porn. So if we're just talking about what yeah. is legal at the moment, and I know there are certain types, we've got to be careful what we say on air, but there are certain types of yeah. act that, 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 that would push um, the porn into the illegal area. But on the legal area, I, I'm confused about the age verification, which I know a big thing has been made about that. Has that come into effect already? and how does no, it work? No. Um, the UK is the first country in the world to introduce this, this scheme where the idea is that um, porn services are supposed to verify the ages of their customers. Um, and it is, it's a very difficult and expensive scheme thing to do. But um, it came into law in the UK about 18 months ago, but they still haven't implemented it. I think it's, it's due see. to come in in the next six months or so. Oh, that, that um, explains why I was confused about it. Yeah, so you won't see it yet. I mean, the reason I've, I've been warning about this scheme isn't it isn't that I'm particularly worried about um, pornography, but it's that actually it seems to be being used by the government as an excuse to introduce internet censorship, um, in, which is really a first in a democratic country. Um, they're introducing a system akin to the one in China, um, and they're using pornography as the excuse to do it. Yeah, but they're not, are they? I mean, you say they are, but they haven't yet. I mean, they might be trying to, but they haven't actually no, introduced it. It's it's due to come in in the first quarter of next year. And um, what will and the effect of that? Big... And what will the effect of that be in terms of pornography? What will you not be able to see then that you can see now? What it means is that any porn site that doesn't um, age verify its its users will be blocked by the UK internet by the UK uh, uh, yeah internet. And um, how do you verify the user's age? There are a variety of methods. You can use a credit card. There, you can buy cards over the, or you should be able to buy cards over the counter, and so on. Uh, I think you can use passports and driving right. license. There, are, there are a lot of worries about this. One is privacy, um, but another is that the government's introduced a sledgehammer to crack a nut, and actually, it's going to be full of holes anyway. So it's not going to block all all porn. But much more worrying. But isn't it? I mean, it's worth trying. Is it not worth trying, Jerry, to prevent children from seeing some of this stuff? Yeah, um, and I have children, but we have tools to do that, and the tools have been around for a long, long time, as almost as long as the internet's been around. So there are perfectly good filtering. Well, yeah, but you say that, but I know that that's not true because I've also got children and I also know that, you know, they can see things that I would rather they can't see, but they have methods of, of doing that, and so do their friends at school. Um, it depends kind of on the age. Mine are, mine are five and two, so at the moment the child protection measures are perfect. Well, I mean, they're not walking around yeah. presumably with iPhones in their hands, are they? No, one, once they are, I mean, you can lock them down, but the, the fact is that if by the time they hit puberty, they're going to become interested in this stuff because of nature, not because of, of you know any evil agenda. And unless they've been properly sex educated by them, then it, you know, it, but we shouldn't be trying to... to them seeing sex, we should be educating them in sex before they encounter it. 
But I suppose now that, I mean, there's, you know, the, the online porn industry is so huge. I mean, again, it's difficult to get to proper figures. But it's well, there's only two things, aren't there, that make money on the internet, pornography and gambling. Yeah, and That's it's, it. And, the, and pornography is certainly into them. I mean, you, you'd know, Jay, better than I, but it's, you know, it's certainly into the hundreds of billions of dollars. Um, no, I mean, the porn industry actually kind of imploded when, uh, when free content came along. It's gone through the same kind of... Um, troubles as as music and, and news media and so on so it's not nearly anywhere that big uh, 10 years ago it was a, a, a much more profitable industry it's pretty much run by one large company now um, and what's no, the because I mean, the figures I also get this morning are from Pornhub um, who yeah. release figures of, of you know how many people are accessing the porn on there? And certainly, we see the last figures I saw. America had the you know the biggest um, number of people, and then we were that we were number two. Is that still the case? Because that's that's quite an accolade for this country to have. Marvelous. It generally is, and it, I mean it, it's kind of a, a, an accolade for our prudishness because we have some of the worst sexual sex education in Europe. We're just about the only country in Europe where hardcore porn is illegal on TV. Only, we were the last country in Europe to have legal pornography. It was only legal in 2000. Um, so our authorities have always done everything they can to, 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 to stop people learning about sex, whether they're adults or, or children. And their attitude to porn is very similar to their attitude to sex ed, that they don't think it's a good thing. And, you know, they'd rather launch people into the world at 18 completely oblivious which I is, don't think which that's is true dangerous. at all Jerry we, we my, my kids both have sex education at school and, and in some cases it's there are parents well it's not that it's improved a lot it's actually there but what you surely you're not arguing for is that they show <laughs> pornography to children in order to teach them about sex you know pornography is not about sex it's about exploitation isn't it well, no, it's not about exploitation. What's it about, then? It's, 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 entertain- it's sexual entertainment. Yeah, it's but it's not a sexual children. entertainment for children, Jerry. No, it shouldn't be uh, shown to children, but there is, But you can show explicit sex to, to children, and it's done in Germany and Denmark and elsewhere. And, it, you know, Britain is always a decade or two behind the rest of European sex education. Well, I'm not sure that that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, what I'm saying to you, Jerry, is that you seem to be greatly libertarian about all of this, which is fine. But surely even you would, would admit that there are certain things that children should not be able to access. And it seems to me that you're arguing that they should be able to access everything. Well, I'm kind of libertarian, but not when it comes to children. And I, and I control what my children you know, see and do because that's my role as a parent. Well, they're only five and two. If you can't control them now, then you've got no chance. But what about when they get to be older and they're going to public, uh, uh, private or public schools, uh, state schools, where they've got access to other kids who will be showing them things on their uh, phones as they're walking home? You know, you have no idea what they're looking at. I think the message is kind of, you know, don't panic. We had this exact same... I'm not panic panicking. When, if you remember when videos came out, there was this, there was this kind of articles in the Daily Mail about how children were sneaking down. Daily Mail's not the problem, Jerry. Um, or whatever you, you were, but the, we had exactly the same thing. Like, oh my God, children can now look at, can now access video recorders, lock up the tapes when you go out. They're getting tapes off their mates at school and watching them when, when you're, when you're in bed. And you know, it, you know, the fact is, violent crime has fallen in the last. Um, couple of decades, sexual violence has fallen. The rise in pornography can. Where are you getting those something. figures from? I mean, th- these are, are widespread figures. They're, widespread uh, where? Um, well, in my book, Porn Panic, for one thing, but you can. There's a. Oh, you quote from your own book. Have you got any actual many actual figures? Yeah, there's an excellent study called Porn Up Rate Down, which 
looks at the, uh, uh, in the US over 25 years. Well, we're being told by the government, right? We're being, hang on, we're being told by the government that women are now being sexually harassed at a much higher and faster rate on the streets of our country than they ever have been. I'm not suggesting that that's connected to pornography, but there is no doubt that the figures are up, not down. Uh, no, that's absolutely not true, and the, the governments are not saying that. There are certainly politicians saying that, and there are certainly authoritarian people. Want there are all sorts of, of, of agendas at the moment to get the internet censored. To uh, I mean, you can you know it's not just with porn; it's, it's with hate crime and things like that. All of these crimes are going down, but the but but the breadth of the, the offence is going up. The police are arresting people for things they simply didn't arrest people for. 10 or 20 years ago. No, I don't disagree with that. I mean, certainly there are... Playgrounds when I was a kid, and that would now be considered sexual assault in some in some cases. And literally, kids are being reported for, by teachers sexual assault for doing the kinds of things that kids have always done in school playgrounds. And that's what worries me. Well, there's many things to be worried about, but what I'd like to try and find uh, here is a happy medium, Jerry, where, you know, I don't think the issue is about internet kind of censorship. It's about making sure that certain violent and nasty and horrible images, which children should not be exposed to, they are not exposed to. And if it means that you have to block stuff and it means that you have to make sure that children cannot access something because they have to prove their age, I really don't see why that would be a problem for anyone. Sure. I mean, the age verification discussion is separate, but the age verification is not going to stop any any sites. Uh, it's not going to stop people accessing stuff. Um, what the government's doing is actually introducing a, a blocking regime run by the BBFC, which allows them to block all sorts of content. And five years ago, our government was lecturing China on why this kind of attack on free speech is, is terrible and, and should not be done, and now we're doing it here. That's much more worrying than pornography. But, Jerry, are you saying, just to come back to the impact of pornography, because obviously what these, this committee of MPs is saying is that it should be considered you know, a, a health issue, that people get very addicted to pornography, that it can have bad impacts on their lives, that the addiction can lead to you know, sort of changes in brain activity, that it can lead to you know, sort of... An, uh, an assumption that you know, sexual violence is the norm. Are you saying none of those things are true? Yeah, I mean, this is rooted in, in the religious right in America. The, the whole porn as a public health issue came out of Utah, I think, and it's gone round Because I think five, state state. five states in the state, five American yeah, states it, have said it is a pushed. public health issue. Yeah, it's in, in states that are controlled by the Republican right, they're, they're using... This is the latest attack on porn. The Republicans have been attacking porn for 60, 70 years. And this is their latest propaganda, um, you know, the fact that it's a public health issue. There isn't um, evidence to back this up. You say things like changes in, in brain patterns. This is all pseudoscience. There's a, there's a site called Your Brain on Porn, which claims that porn changes brains. But it isn't science. It's, it's an anti-porn campaigning site that appears What to about the addiction bad. side of things? There does, there does seem to be some correlation that uh, young men particularly can get very addicted to pornography. Um, psychologists will tell you that there's no such thing as sex addiction or porn addiction. You know, the, this is this is a scare term which has come out into into which has become. Well, that's popular. not entirely true, Jerry. Either there are people who will tell you who are in the medical business that you can have an addiction to sex, and they will treat you for that addiction to sex. And there are sure, people, and there are people, there are people who will treat, you, treat you for homosexuality, but it's not real. Well, science. that's a ridiculous comparison, Jerry. There are also it's, it's there, there is also plenty of evidence. Comparison. There is also plenty of evidence to suggest that if you sit in a dark room watching pornography for an entire week without doing anything else, it's not really a very good idea. It's not going to be very good for you uh, or for your state sure. of mind, is it? 
No, for sure. And, and there are some people who can drink alcohol and be absolutely fine, and there are some people who can drink alcohol and become alcoholics in the same way that some people can be affected. That some people can be affected by pornography. It's just, you can't deny that that's the case. No, there's very strong evidence that alcohol is both toxic and addictive, but that doesn't apply to porn or sex. And you know, this that's is not true. The, Simply not uh, true, Jerry. I mean, I would, you know, I'd recommend a book called "The Myth of Sex Addiction," written by an American psychologist. But really, in America, they're, they're, this is this is a religious right argument that's been rolling for years. Well, don't worry, I'm not a member of the religious right, Jerry. I just no, am a concerned. Sure. I'm a concerned parent, and I really can't what, believe what, that what you are not joining me uh, in wanting to make sure that your children are not exposed to stuff which would be harmful to them until they're I'm old enough to understand it. Perfectly well, but I'm also very aware, aware of the evidence. And what, what's worrying me is that uh, something from the American religious right is now being pumped out of the UK Parliament. It's not just from the religious right. That's absolute nonsense, Jerry. Don't hang your hat on that. Jerry, if you go onto the NHS website, it says that sex addiction is a real addiction. I don't think there's too many people from the religious right running the NHS anytime soon. I I recently debated an NHS psychologist on Radio 5 on on this subject. Don't mention Radio 5, for heaven's sake, (laughs) whatever you do. It's a calumny. But, Jerry, I'll tell you one, one area that we haven't really touched on, and that is... You know the the equality or inequality within the porn industry, and the porn industry obviously, you know, I think over seventy percent is consumed by men. So I understand that mm. most of it is made for men because that's where that's where the money lies. But the the way that women are portrayed as you know, on the whole, simply you know vessels for having sex with rather than rather than people with desires or, or so, and I do think that is a very very damaging message. Um, I, it, I, maybe you're seeking out the wrong stuff. I mean, there are feminist pornographers. There have been female pornographers for decades. I know several personally, my friends. Yeah, but, Je- yeah, but, but Jerry, Daisy, Daisy is saying that the vast majority is not that, and she's right. Um, I know there are exceptions, of course I know, but but on the whole, if you were to access pornography, you would see a certain type of relationship between a man and a woman and the power completely lying and we within are seeing, the man. And we are seeing the sexualization of children, Jerry. We are seeing the sexualization of children, and it's done through a variety of... It's, uh, don't talk over me, please, Jerry. It's, a, it's done through a variety of means, right? It's done through a variety of means. It's done through uh, programs that they watch on television, but it's also done through the pornography and the pornographic representation of girls and boys uh, and that's what they see and that's what they uh, they know about but we've got to go jerry thanks very much indeed uh, for talking to us jerry barnett former pornography business owner uh, i don't know where jerry's coming from he seems to have no middle ground whatsoever it's very clear to anyone who's a parent that there are certain things that your kids should not be looking at until they're old enough to understand them i think that's completely true and i think the government has you know has understood that and that's why we've got the age verification but i do think the issues are much broader than that and i think you know, jerry has some points about sense which I, I completely understand. People are uneasy about a government big brother. Yeah. You know, trying, well, trying I'm not to uneasy about the government censoring pornography to children. I'm sorry. I think that's fine. To children, of yeah. course, but I'm talking about to general society and whether whether there is such a thing about of sex addiction or whether we are getting our knickers in a twist about yeah. it. Well, I mean, if you're wearing any, good luck to you. <laughs> Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Republic of Mike Graham, you know what to do. Daisy McAndrew is here, 0344 499 1000. Interesting uh, call from Steve in Sheffield who couldn't come on because uh, he's driving on the M1 apparently. Now the police uh, aren't taking lost property. If you lose something, you have to go to a private firm to get a crime number for insurance reasons and it costs a fiver. I haven't heard of that. No, but I think that's what Chris, our ex-policeman, was talking about because he mentioned a few websites that like, I think there was one called Lost and Found and, yeah. and, and other ones. I'd, I hadn't heard of it either, but I think that's what he was saying, right. that, that people tend that's to use... That's outrageous, isn't it? But if, you, yeah, if you've charged a fiver and then you're not even guaranteed any sort of result. Well, no, presumably they're not actually bothering to investigate. They're no, just no, giving they you, literally giving you a crime number it's like and then pr- proof closing that you've the case. lost it and then you can get... Yeah get it back on insurance right I mean I think there's a um, uh, there's a website when I lost my iPad there was a website that you could report it to yeah and then if somebody finds it somehow there's a method there's a methodology by which it gets uh, you know it gets sort of recognized by that website yeah but I don't think we paid I can't remember to be honest but uh, we'll take your calls coming up on that 03444991000 because it's half term and we're going to talk about traveling uh, and apparently by 2019 you should have been to all of these regions of the world and you can tell me how many you've been to Piedmont in Italy I don't think I've been there. The Catskills, yes. Northern Peru, no. The Red Centre in Australia, no. Scotland's Highlands and Islands, yes. Russian Far East. No, I've never been to anywhere in Russia. Gujarat, India. No, I haven't I've, been to Gujarat. I've been to I've, India, but not I've there. I've been to India, but that was for work. Manitoba, no. Normandy, France, yes. Yes. And the Elkie Valley in Chile. No, never been to Chile. So we got a lot of travelling to do. But funnily enough, I was trying to be in in the Isle of Skye this week, right? Uh, because it was um, Mother Half's birthday yesterday, and he's obsessed with uh, the you know, the islands and highlands and Is he? and right. sky and okay. stuff. And so I thought I could you know manage this sort of long weekend as right. a birthday present for him. Did loads of research. Have you ever taken him to the Three Chimneys? No, but Restaurant. that's yeah, and that's on that's Sky, brilliant. isn't it? That's Is fantastic. it in Portree? Yeah, yeah. So, it's actually north. You've got to drive this ridiculously long, sort of lonely drive to this one place in the middle of nowhere where they've got a I'd lock. I'd love to go And they there. take langoustines out of the lock and cook them in front of you. How wonderful. So I found this holiday where you could do half, do most of it by train and you could do, it was all going to be because he loves to like overnight train. Or, yeah, yeah. Then I looked at the diary and discovered that my children's half terms don't coincide with each other. <laughs> so it's a nightmare. I know. So I so instead he got a picture of the other sky and he got a jigsaw puzzle of portrait. There you go. Well, <laughs> you know, beggars can't be choosers. This sort of James Smart, who's from Lonely Planet, is destination editor. James, very good morning to you. 
Good morning. I like your uh, your sort of take on the world because you've broken it down a bit, haven't you? You've done countries that are best value. You've done regions that you should go to for their natural beauty. You've done cities as well. I mean, I'd have to say, and I'm not in any way being critical here, but there's not much British stuff in there, I have to say. There's only one entry this year, that's true, and it's the Scottish Highlands and Islands, which yeah. we're, really, we're really excited about. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we, we consider countries and cities and regions from all over the world. So some, sometimes there's a number of British entries, and sometimes uh, there, there, there's, there's less British entries. So it's not really we can't, we, the Highlands and Islands there. Right. Well, the Highlands and Islands are absolutely beautiful by anybody's standards, but there's no, you, there's no kind of reason why Britain hasn't made it this year in any great way, is there? No, not at all. Not at all. We, um, I mean, the, the, what we do every year is we, we get all our staff and all our writers. We've got 200 writers who are regularly going all over the world. Um, and um, we, we're in Britain regularly. We're in, you know, Argentina regularly. We're in, we're in Thailand regularly. So it's a, it's a, it's a clamour of voices that we work into to these lists and lots, so much expertise. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a comp- com- competition, let's say that. Sure. And James, what was it? What were these places being judged on? I mean, is it you know just the beauty or the hospitality or the you know places to stay or the, the you know, affordability? It's all those things really that, that weigh into the visitor experience. So we do have a, a best value list, which is topped by the Southern Nile Valley, which is a, a great way to experience ancient Egypt on a budget, but. For the other categories, really, it's um, it, 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 it's a it's a combination of things. You know, we we rank it absolutely on what visitors are going to get out of their time there. But it's also, of course, it's about 2019. So it's about what events are happening in 2019. It's about does this feel like a destination whose time is now? And are there some of the destinations that haven't made it into these lists before? Things that hitherto weren't very attractive, but now are. Well, there are certainly places that we feel have been kind of bubbling under for a while. Piedmont in Italy feels like it's been overshadowed by quite a lot of, lot of other places in Italy and other places in the Mediterranean. But um, we really felt like it's, it, it's time has come with the, the 500th anniversary of Leonardo da Vinci's death. So, so Turin has his last remaining self-portrait, and you can see that. 2019 is also the year of slow tourism in Italy, and Piedmont is home to the slow food movement. Lots of lovely, lovely places to eat there. So there are definitely places that kind of are always there but are never quite in that top list and, 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 and rise up in 2019. Well, Ronaldo's playing football there now as well, isn't he? So I suppose that will attract quite a few people. What about Zimbabwe coming in third in one of the countries to visit? Because Zimbabwe has had a lot of problems recently, and it would that was the one surprise for me, I suppose. I wasn't expecting to see uh, Zimbabwe up quite so high. Yeah, we, we, we do feel like there's a renewed sense of optimism um, post-Mugabe. It's, it's definitely not you know, a, a, a straightforward road. Um, there are definitely problems there, of course, but as a visitor, you won't encounter, you, you're very unlikely to encounter any, any, any problems. A lot of people come into Victoria Falls, but Harare itself is an interesting city to explore. Um, you know, you've got the big six, sorry, the big five safaris, you've got World Heritage archaeological sites, um, Great Zimbabwe. Um, there's a huge amount to explore. It, 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 it's a genuinely great African destination. And what about the uh, the opening of the world's longest sea crossing? Because I know that's not part of your report today, uh, but we were just marvelling at this new sea crossing that's been opened in China, 34 miles long, apparently, and it, a bit like the one in uh, uh, between Sweden and Denmark. It goes, It's a bridge, but it also goes underwater. It looks fabulous. They're amazing, aren't they? It's the kind of things you used to dream about in science yeah. fiction books, and now, now, now they're coming true. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I mean, I've, I've definitely got my bucket list is definitely to do the one from Sweden to Denmark, but I may have to go and do this one now as well in China. Because, I mean, I suppose, you know, that, that part of the world as well is opening up in a massive way to, to tourism, isn't it? 
It is, yeah. We we, we mentioned um, uh, Shenzhen, actually, which is our, our number two city behind yeah. Copenhagen. So Shenzhen in China, it's right the way across from Hong Kong. And you talk, you're talking about transport. There's a, a bullet train which now connects, uh, which at the end of this year is going to connect uh, Hong Kong and Shenzhen in just 14 minutes. Wow. Um, and Shenzhen is it's, it's one of those cities, you know, it's got a thriving club scene. It's got an indie music scene. It's got theme parks. Um, you know, there, there is a whole heap going on in, in, in the Far East and, and, and a lot of energy in a lot of places. I notice you're, uh, sorry, I notice you're, you're kind of focusing a lot on, on very many parts of the world, but not so much on South America. And I was watching a news report last night from Guatemala uh, on Channel 4 and how so many South American countries now have been kind of beset by gangs and drug wars and all sorts of things. Have, does your sort of list here reflect that? Because there's not many, not many places in, in Central and South America that you're recommending. Well, we featured Panama and Ecuador, um, and we also feature Argentina in our in our best value list because their uh, visas are now um, easier to get and, and less expensive to get. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say so. We always think about um, you know traveller safety. Um, there are absolutely some places we'd be less likely to recommend, but there are so many places in Central and South America you can go so easily. And I, I, I've, I've travelled in Central and South America and had an absolutely brilliant time. Um, so you know we're, we're really happy to have Panama up there, which is um, celebrating five. 100 years since the founding of Panama City and it's a great place for, you know, you can, you can eat delicious food in the capital, there's amazing biodiversity. I, I certainly wouldn't advise people against going to Central or South America. And James, the other thing that I think a lot of Brits, particularly when they're thinking about where to, to book holidays in, we, we over the last few years have been put off a lot of places by terrorism and you think of you know the Egyptian tourist board and Tunisian um, tourism has really taken um, you know taken a big thumping over the last few years are, are people getting a bit more relaxed about places like that these days I think to an extent yeah I mean I I'd always advise anyone to, you know, think about their comfort zone and think about do their research. We you know we always have detail in our in our, in our guidebooks on our website, and you can look out um, foreign uh, Commonwealth Office advice. Um, I'd always advise people do that. But yes, I think there are definitely places people are going back to. I mean, you know, Turkey's been a big success story in recent years, and mm. people are absolutely going back to Egypt. We recently updated our Tunisia coverage for the first time in in, in quite some time because we feel like it's a safe place. We feel like people are starting to go back. So yeah, there are definitely good news stories out there. And have you got a personal favourite from any of the lists that we've got um, published today, either regions or, or countries or cities? One city that I'm really pleased to see there, actually, because it's a city that really surprised me is Mexico City. Okay. And I didn't quite know what to expect. I thought maybe it would be this very kind of congested place. Mm. Um, and I went there and, and, and just had a lovely time. It's, I just found it a really fun city to be in, a really kind of cosmopolitan place with so many interesting things to go and see, whether it's like the Frida Kahlo Museum or whether it's drifting along the canals or seeing these right. great Aztec monuments, um, which are absolutely amazing. So I'm, I'm really glad to see Mexico City there. Yeah, I mean, I've not been to Mexico City or, or Sao Paulo. And people say that, they, you know, if you think London's big, these places are absolutely ginormous you know and I'm, I'm told mexico city you may be able to correct me or not has mexico city has sort of oxygen stations around the around Does the place it? because it's quite <laughs> high up one and also two very polluted i don't think it's i think that might be la paz possibly la paz is higher la no paz no i was told it was in mexico city places. but you know oh, no. is it? Okay. Yeah. but i mean you may um, not yeah, see no, it, it I didn't have any problems breathing while I was there, thankfully. Oh, OK. <laughs> All right, good. Well, listen, James, thank you very much indeed. James Smart there, Lonely Planet Destination Editor. I mean, there's so many places on here that I haven't been. I know, because you know, embar- I just tend to go to be... back to the same places yeah, again but I mean, again. we all consider ourselves to be reasonably well-travelled. Yeah. But there's so many parts of the world that I've still never been to Nepal. 
uh, Kathmandu, never been to China, never been to uh, the Maldives, which I must go to. Um, you know, there's an awful See, lot. Getting to the Maldives is very expensive. Like yeah. I, have, I have looked into it before and it's sort of eye-watering. Yeah, well, now that my daughter's moved to Dubai, I'm trying to work a way of sort of thinking, well, if she's in Dubai, she's closer to the Maldives, right? Yeah. So I can use that as an excuse to go. Well, actually, the last time um, we went, so I, I did some work in Australia a couple of years ago, um, and so I was being paid for my flight, and we managed to to sort of lob on a little mm. holiday at, right. at, on the way back. So yes. that's a good way to do that it. That is a good way to do it. <laughs> yes, very splendid idea. But right now, though, I'm delighted to say we're going to talk about something far more uh, uh, sort of peaceful. Wholesome. Wholesome. <laughs> and generally sort of, uh, you know, all-encompassing all for every audience. And it is, of course, the subject of apples. Uh, we're going to speak to Sarah Kalka, uh, who's the spokesperson for English Apples and Pears. Hello, Sarah. Good morning. Good morning. Now, uh, Daisy has got what can only be described as not much of a dilemma, uh, however, something that, that you can help her with, and that is what to do with all her apples. And also, Sarah, I don't know if you've managed to see the picture. I tweeted out a picture of a, a very, very small amount of the, the glut of apples that, um, that we've got at the moment. And I, don't, I can't identify what some of the apples are. Some of them are the extraordinary. They look like plums. They're tiny and bright, bright red with a very white flesh inside. So, um, looking at your picture, because I, I was sent it earlier, I think that you have got, certainly your green apples are cooking apples, they're Bramley's, I yep, reckon. I think so. Um, and they're really lovely, so w when you cook them down, so that's the easy thing to do with those, actually, is take the middles out, fill it up with sultanas and cinnamon, um, and put them in the microwave for a couple Oh, of microwave? Minutes. I've never done them in the microwave, because my kids oh, really? do love old-fashioned old stewed apple or ba baked apple. Absolutely. Well, the, the easiest way to do the baked apple, actually, is core it out, stick it in a pudding bowl, put whatever you like in the middle. I really like mince meat, you know, min mince pie filling. I really love that in a cooked apple. Um, and then just put a piece of cling film over the top and ding it for two minutes. Two minutes. Right. I'm going to do that with the Bramleys. That's brilliant. That's easy. The other ones you've got there, they look like Spartan to me. Um, do they really polish up incredibly yes, well? Yes, they you really yes. do. They look well, like from a cartoon, um, sort of poisoned apple or something Snow White would they, have they had. They are the, absolutely the Wicked Queen's apple. Um, yeah, no, that's Spartan. So, um, yeah, they're really lovely, but they are, they are best eaten fresh. Um, I quite like them from the fridge. I think they're lovely when they're cold. Um, but also, those they're brilliant for juicing because they've got so much juice. Oh, because I wouldn't have thought of that because they're very small. But the other interesting thing I've noticed about pretty much all the apples that we've taken is that well, unlike a supermarket apple, when you cut into one of these apples, they go brown very quickly. Mm. So we were having some at Sunday lunch and sort of chopping them. That's you know, proper organic stuff for I, you. I guess it must be yeah. that they just haven't, haven't it's got... It's not... No, 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 no. It's not, nothing to do with the way that it's been grown or treated. It's the fact that you have picked it from... You've picked it quite quite late from the tree. So both of these ah. would have been picked several weeks ago. So actually there is no starch left in your apples. Um, and so they, they oxidise really quickly. So they'll go brown really quickly because these are ultimately ripe. You're picking them straight from the tree. The fruit that you'd grow, you buy in the supermarket, because we need to guarantee some shelf life for it, we want it to, yeah, you want to eat, eat well for several days, they'll still have some starch present. Because I would imagine that that would have affected the, you know, whether they were sort of squidgy or, or hard, but they, they're all very, very hard. They're certainly not, you know, they feel as if they're not overripe. Mm. Now, these, these two are both quite firm varieties as well. You've got to really go some to have a squidgy Bramley, frankly. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound good, that, does it? Sarah, now, I've got a better idea than all of that, right? My, my suggestion to Daisy was to buy herself a, a cider press uh, and just get on with making cider. Yes. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Well, I, I don't sense any enthusiasm. No, nothing, nothing, no, 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 nothing wrong with making cider at all. 
Um, me personally, I the, the kind of cider that you make at home is a bit strong for me. I like the, the lighter, more modern sort of champagne styles. Yes. But, but yes, if, if you need more alcohol, go for the cider. But it's a kind of scrumpy thing you can make, isn't it? It's quite easy to do, though, no, isn't see, it? No, see, I'm, I'm with Sarah here because I'm not a, put. you know, if you get the sort of what you might call the proper... The cloudy, uh, the, the really the cloudy, the, dry. So when you, take, when you drink it, you actually need a glass see, of water because really it's like so dry. Them. They sort of smell a bit of wee, I think. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, I know everyone says, oh, they smell of hay and it's all very I didn't organic. I want to be the one to say that. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, I like the kind of the really fizzy, the, the, the Could more you? All right, all right. Okay, well, let's go a little <laughs> bit more upmarket. Could you make... Could you make Apple Vine, the stuff they sell in places like Frankfurt, which is apple wine, yes, which, is, which is beautiful? Yes, I mean, that's the thing. And one of the things here this year, I mean, it would, it's almost a shame to be doing something like that with the apples this year because they are they taste absolutely phenomenal. I mean, anybody going and buying an English apple, British apple this year, um, the flavour is brilliant because you had that hot summer. Um, there's a lot of sugar in these apples. The flavour is really complex. There's really great colours and great flavours. So if you, anything you make is going to taste amazing. Me, personally, I just like to eat apples. I don't tend to do very much with them. Mm. Um, but, yeah, if you're going to make some apple wine, amazing year to do that um, because there's a lot of natural sugar in them. And I hear a lot of, particularly on the sort of health blogs and vlogs and all that, people extolling the virtue of um, apple cider vinegar, saying it can help you lose weight and you should be drinking it by the teaspoon. Is there any truth in all of these? Well, what seem to me to probably be myths, but maybe there is truth in them. Um, to be honest... Me personally, I take the view that you probably just get on eating an apple. Um, there's a lot of really good fibre in an apple. Um, there's lots and lots of research around how... You know, um, there's a, a big... I can't remember how long ago, quite a while ago, but you know, if you eat an apple after you've exercised, you actually you satisfy that post-exercise you know, need for a drink and a bit of food and all the rest of it. And it's low calorie, but it keeps you full for quite a long time. And then if you're eating apples regularly, there was a very good piece of research done a couple of years ago about lowering cholesterol levels. So they all eat an apple every day and keep the doctor keep away. Keep the doctor yeah. away. Totally, totally correct. Everybody should eat an apple every day. Indeed. Now, I'm not going to uh, ask any more stupid questions, hopefully, but if you, if you do have, say, as many apples as Daisy has, a couple of hundred, I think, or maybe more, because the, the, the trees have been very There's... fulsome this year, I mean, are there places where you could go and sell them, kind of like to a, a country farm shop or, you know, something like that? Um, apples that you find in shops will have come from an assured scheme so right. everybody who grows fruit in the uk um we go through a very rigorous assessment process to make sure that we're doing everything correctly and they are completely safe for people um it's got to be said though there's an enormous um issue with with a lot of people not being able to a access fruit and vegetables at the moment um from a financial reason um and so i think a lot of food banks would probably welcome some gifts of fresh apples um if you know of any breakfast clubs maybe go and have a chat with your local primary and see if oh, they yeah. run a breakfast club or would they like some fruit there that's very good and do you remember that chap we had on who was running um yes, food I do. banks and cooking using leftovers in yeah, supermarkets yeah. and right. stuff i should get hold of him you should get hold of Give him. him a load of apples because no matter how many great things you want to do i can guarantee you and sarah i'm sure you'll back me up on this that you will still have a mountain of apples i will left, still have and I you'll go i don't know what to do with them and I will, i've been told that apparently nigella's apple chutney recipe somebody's tweeted me to say that's oh, yeah. the best one and you can eat it after a few days and most of them you have to leave them yeah uh, for ages so i'll give that a go as well okay yeah i have about 20 friends who are getting that for christmas <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. 
Sarah. I think I brilliant. might be too. Thank you very much indeed. Sarah Calcutt there. I just imagine her sitting in a room full of apples. Yes. You know, just sitting there enjoying apples. And apples are wonderful things, but even even they can be too much of a good thing. Well, I'm very excited that I've identified the small red one called a Spartan. And she's absolutely right. It does rub, you know, when you sort of rub its skin, yeah. it comes out with an extraordinary colour. Very, so that's very sort of shiny. Great stuff. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.